the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I the Wall Street Business Network. This is Business 1440. KYCR, KYCR Golden Valley. Valley. A service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. President Trump is feeling confident after two weeks of public impeachment hearings. We get an update from White House correspondent Greg Cluxton. Following five days of testimony in the impeachment investigation, the president says he's feeling good. I think we had a uh, tremendous week with the hoax, you know, the great hoax. The president is confident even as Democrats move closer to voting for impeachment. One reason for his optimism is a unified GOP. I don't think I've ever seen support in the Republican Party, like we do right now. Greg Clugston, the White House. To ban or not to ban, that was a question on Friday at a White House roundtable discussion on flavored vaping products popular with teens. Some participants arguing also for raising the age limit for legal purchases of electronic cigarettes from 18 to 21. On Wall Street Friday, the Dow was up 109 points. This is SRN News. Did you know you were kicking in your mommy's tummy before you were born? We were? Yep. I just learned at school that babies move and kick before they're even born. No, no wonder we're so good at soccer. That's right, kids. A pre-born baby is moving about and even kicking just 14 weeks from conception. Hello, my name is Marianne Koharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of information and alternatives to abortion, or you'd like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, Please call 1-800-366-7773, 1-800-366-7773, or visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Good day. Welcome to our show, eh? Yeah, good day to you, eh? The guys from Premier Pool and Spa have been harping on you to go in and see what's different about an Arctic hot tub. Yeah, and have you done it yet? I don't think so. You know, you can get into the tubs right there on the Premier Pool and Spa showroom floor. It's not only okay, it's absolutely recommended. Take off, eh? I mean, how would you know if it's comfortable if you've never sat in one? Yeah, for sure. It's kind of like when they give out samples at the supermarket. You know, I tried some of that fancy cheese with the coffee crumbles on the outside the other day. I loved it. Now that's all the missus and I buy. Yeah, it's the same thing at Premier Pool and Spa. Take a sample dip in an Arctic hot tub or spa. You can sit in them wet or dry, but you got to see for yourself if it's a comfortable fit. Arctic hot tubs are truly a cold-weather spa, and Minnesota winters are just what these spas are made for, eh? Don't wait. Get into Premier Pool and Spa in Chanhassen today. Premier Pool and Spa, where we take fun seriously. Online at premierpools.com. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. The Wall Street Business Network is on the air. Uh, I'm excited. This economy is on fire. It's the King Banyan Show. Let me emphasize that correlation is not causation. As an educator and former legislator, Professor Banyan steps out of the classroom and onto the airwaves to break down the local and national economic news that matters to you. Unemployment is low because everyone has two jobs. Please bring on the recession. It's the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Now, here's King Banyan. Good morning and welcome, King Banyan Show, Business 1440. Thank you for being here today. It's uh, been a good week. It looks like a typical November sky outside. I'm sitting up here in uh, St. Cloud, Minnesota, along the... uh, along the uh, west bank of the uh, Mississippi River, uh, just about uh, 82 miles from the mothership 
by as the car drives, um, not by the plane, uh, down in Egan, where Wyatt's at the controls today. Thank you, Wyatt, for being with us today. And thank you for listening. I know you have lots of choices. I know everyone's getting pumped up and excited about, uh, about the uh, battle for Floyd of Rosedale. Um, the, uh, the little trophy that goes along with the Minnesota-Iowa game. Uh, I guess I'm here at I'm here at St. Cloud State. To me, to me, it's, it's it just doesn't matter that much to me. I, I have to confess, I don't care about the game. Although I will say, at the gym, I was watching the end of the game against Penn State, and the the ending was exciting enough to get me on the uh, elliptical trainer for an extra ten minutes. Um so that I could see the end of the game before I retired to the showers. Uh, it was good. Uh, it was a good game. We hope they have another good game today. I just I, I like watching good football. I don't like watching what we saw Thursday night. Uh, I'm sorry, but that young man um, seems like he's a pretty good young man, uh, Mr. Garrett. But, um, you know, I, I think an indefinite suspension is actually called for. It's an extremely dangerous game that he plays and you cannot have people who lose their who lose their heads um even for a moment in a game like that it requires great discipline 651-289-4477 the number to call with questions and comments uh it's a busy day it was a busy week in terms of economic data there's just all kinds of information to report out to you. So this first hour of the show, we will do that. And the second hour, where we'll have some clips, I want to get to sort of this underlying question that I'm beginning to have. I'm beginning to think phase one of the trade deal is equivalent to waiting for Godot. And for those of you who do not know waiting for Godot, and you go, what's that? Sounds like one of those stupid college things. It is one of those stupid college things. Waiting for Godot is a play that uh, was written uh, written back about uh, sixty some years ago now. That it seems like every college theater department has to do once in the life cycle of any of any theater student. Um, it's not true. I, I, I think we've only done it once here in my thirty plus years as a professor and dean at Saint Cloud State, but. Um, uh, it is a, uh, but it is one of those things that you just seem to see college theater departments do over and over and over again. And basically, it's the the play about people waiting for someone that does not, in fact, uh, ever show up. Now, if you've never seen the play and you go, it sounds stupid. It's like I and, and say I don't know that I ever want to see it. I don't know where it's playing. Better idea. Watch Waiting for Guffman. You'll get the idea. Uh, Christopher Guest's mockumentary of the many mockumentaries that he has done. Um, Waiting for Guffman is is one of my absolute favorite movies. Um, a, a very 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 funny movie. Uh, if you're if you're thinking about what to do on a night on a day that's probably going to be warmer than the average Saturday in November, uh, certainly compared to this month, it's going to be practically balmy at 42 to 44 degrees at least up here. Um, where, where guys like me think to myself, I could actually go run outside today. That'd be great. Um, I recommend that. But what I mean by this is, is basically the plot is people are waiting for somewhat, some important person to arrive. And the important person we're expecting to arrive in this case is the phase one of the China trade deal. Here's the question. Is it actually ever going to arrive? And what happens if it doesn't? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in. Um, we'll talk about that in the second hour of the show. But here in the first off hour, just all kinds of news that uh, that we should probably go through. Some of it good news, some of it bad news. Uh, I think on average, probably more lousy than good for the week. Summarized by a single by a single point, the Atlanta Fed's nowcast for fourth quarter GDP, which was already looking pretty bad at one percent, and was at one and a half percent two weeks ago, after the release of data yesterday, checked in at a growth rate of zero point three percent. 
pause there, that bit of dead air brought to you by Holy Cow. 0.3% growth uh, as the start of the uh, primary season for presidential elections begins at the end of January and early February would change a lot of conversation we're hearing. We wouldn't probably be talking so much about wealth taxes and so on. We'd be talking about how lousy the economy is. I don't think the economy's lousy. I'm going to give you some. I'm going to give you some uh, pieces to talk about from that here in in a little bit. But let's just wrap through some of the data right now. If you looked at the producer price index numbers, they were they were perfectly fine. So they always come out at two days before the consumer price index. You, you you're sort of in nerd camp if you're paying attention to the producer price index. But that's what you pay me for. I'm the nerd. I'm the guy that does that. Producer price index in October up 4.4% uh, month over month on the headline number, 3.3% on the core. Those were just a little bit higher than expected. Given our given that the Federal Reserve has been trying to get inflation to move closer to 2%, this seems to be confirmatory of their, of their position that they don't need to move interest rates anytime in the near future. And indeed... If you looked at what they were saying here, uh, Jerome Powell, I looked, I I watched the te- uh, fair amount of his testimony before the banking committees and the financial service committees in the in Congress this week, which also happened. There were things happening besides impeachment on Capitol Hill this week. Uh, Powell was there. He was asked some questions. It was kind of a mild set of things. There's nothing. I'm not going to bother you with more Jay Powell clips on the show today because he just didn't say anything that I thought was very, very, very interesting. But but what but he leave it at this. He says uncertainty is huge for business people making decision. There's the ability to wait, just wait to make a decision if you think something's going to be resolved. But he says that the central bank is optimistic that the U, that the three cuts the precautionary uh, or even I think he once used the word prophylactic cuts uh buoyed the US economy against lingering headwinds and and trade uncertainty. Uh this was echoed by a f- whole lot of people. Uh Richard Clarida came out and said that he thought that the economy was near full employment uh and without having any pressure on inflation, John Williams at the New York Fed said, quote, the economy's in a good place, monetary policy is as well. And uh, James Bullard at the St. Louis Fed, who has been one of the people pushing for lower interest rates, said, and I quote, now it makes sense to wait and see how the economy responds during the fourth quarter here and into 2020. Uh, President Bullard's likely to be a little less patient than uh, than Chairman Powell or some of the other members of the, of the Fed, uh, of the FOMC, but I fully expect that uh, if... That 0.3% number came in, as was shown. Uh, it would be, it would probably push him in the camp that maybe another cut was overdue. But certainly, everybody seems to be on the page of no cut in December, and I think the meetings are too close to the GDP numbers for the fourth quarter. I think the first meeting is actually before the announcement, so it's likely you get to February. It's likely you get to March before even someone who might be more inclined to jump sooner, like uh, President Bullard, would choose to do so. Six five one two eight nine four four seven seven, the number to call here on the King Banyan Show. So the producer price index comes in pretty nicely. Uh, import prices were fairly benign. If you looked at, okay, I'm just giving you all, I'm going to give you all of the U.S. good news. I'm going to turn and talk about international international economic news here in a little bit because that, that, that won't make you feel very good here as well in a little bit. But the last bit of what I thought was good economic news of the week was the the National Federation of Independent Businesses. This is small and medium-sized businesses. And what they had to say was that their optimism index had fallen in the two prior months, but it jumped back up a little bit, six-tenths of a percent to 102.4. It had fallen almost three points in the prior two months. Uh, It's still below the average to date. And if you go back, 
you go back to its peak, it was at 108.8. Small business owners, says the, the president of the NFIB, small business owners are continuing to create jobs, raise wages, grow their businesses thanks to tax cuts and deregulation. Nothing is stopping them except for finding qualified workers. Firms are likely to continue to offer improved compensation to attract and retain qualified workers because the only solution in the short term to an employee shortage is to raise compensation to attract new workers and to train less qualified workers. Now, I put up a tweet last night that I think is representative of all that good news that we're seeing. And this was pointed out to me by my colleague, uh, uh, Professor uh, Dave Switzer here at St. Cloud State, um, who pointed this out. I thought this was interesting. He he said something to the effect of, of employment is far higher than what was expected even for 2024 um, at the start of the Trump presidency. And I was like, really? Let me go take a look at that. I don't, I don't think I know that. And so the tweet that I pointed out 15 hours ago, at the end of 2016, the Congressional Budget Office, the Congressional Budget Office projected not, and remember, CBO, this is the Congressional Budget Office, Con- Congress was controlled by the Republicans in both chambers, the head of CBO is probably not a not a Republican per se, but certainly someone who's required to be somewhat somewhat honest in his in his figuring. Um, CBO at the end of 2016 projected non-farm payroll for non-farm payroll employment of 148 million for 2019. Currently, the seasonally adjusted number is 152 million. That's approximately 4 million more people working than than had been expected at the end of 2016. If you want to point to good news and whether or not things are are things are being done well in Washington regarding economic policy. I think that's a I think that's a point in your favor. Right? 152 versus 148 that was expected only three years ago. The $152 million is the expectation that we're at in... Uh, the $152 million was indeed the number that was expected to happen by 2024. The difference, in 2016, we thought the labor force participation rate would be stuck at 62.7%. Indeed, instead, it has risen above 63%, and, and that's the source of many of those additional millions of workers that have come in. We'll be back right after this. You are listening to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Sebastian Gorka here for Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that was formulated by doctors to help your body deal with inflammation and pain. The reason I've told so many of my friends about the three-week quick start is because as we get older, occasional aches and pains can be a real problem, keeping you from sleeping through the night or doing the things you love and need to do, like taking walks or playing golf, going up or downstairs, or simply playing with your kids or grandkids. Tens of thousands are now like me, glad they ordered the three-week quick start for just nineteen ninety-five. After years of back pain, I found relief, and I believe you could too. Folks, this is why the father and son owners of Relief Factor, Pete and Seth Talbot, created the three-week quick start, and they discounted it to only nineteen ninety-five. Approximately 70% of those who order it go on to order more. Let's see if we can get you out of pain too. Go to relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com, or call 800-500-8384. Students come to Online Trading Academy for many reasons. Some love their jobs but don't make enough money to live the life they dream about. Some aren't happy with their job and hope for something better. And others invest and trade but just need a better path to improve their returns. We even have students who have never invested or traded before. And they might not even know a stock from a rock but dream of having extra income. There are better income opportunities than trading your time for money. It's time to learn those skills. Join us at Online Trading Academy so we can show you the path to your financial freedom. Attend a free investing class near you. Call now, 952-814-4410 
Again, 952-814-4410 or go to learnwithota.com. Again, learnwithota.com. Online Trading Academy Radio. Hello, I'm Mark Stoman, president of WNAV Audiovisual. WNAV Audiovisual provides equipment and technicians for events of all sizes, from a handful of people to large ballrooms and convention centers as well. We also provide installation services for churches, schools, and corporations. No matter how many people are at your event, WNAV has the technicians and expertise along with the equipment to make each event successful. Audiovisual services include equipment such as sound systems, microphones, projection systems with screens, laptops, draping, lighting, and all the related equipment, and also web streaming services, so your meeting can go beyond the four walls of your space. WNAV Audiovisual, where your meeting is our business. Please contact us at wnav-video.com. Welcome back, King Banging Show Business 1440. That's a nice piece of music, Wyatt. Kind of like, kind of like that. A little different. Yeah, we haven't done that. We haven't done that song on here, this show, for probably quite some years. Uh, but, um, but good, good to hear. In fact, I kind of think if I, if we've ever used that as a bump before, it's going to be back in my Narn days. Back on back on our sister station AM twelve eighty the Patriot, where of course Mitch Berg still in that same slot that he and I used to be on together. Oh, so many years ago. He's the headliner of the Northern Alliance Radio Network, and he's on one to three this afternoon. Be sure to tune him in. Six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. The number to call with questions, comments. So, I'm giving you like about ten seven to eight minutes worth of good news about the economy. Um, and now I got to move to the other stuff. Okay. Because as I led the hour, I said to you, the GDP forecast from the, from the Federal Reserve, excuse me, from the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta's now cast was all, all the way down at, at 0.3%. Indeed, if you looked around, uh, if you looked around, uh, if you looked around at the other ones, at the other now cast, they all were below one and a half percent, depending on whether you were looking at, um, depending on whether or not you were looking at uh, at uh, the now cast from the New York Fed, if you were looking at uh, at forecasts coming out of Goldman Sachs or so, no, wherever you were looking, you're going to have a hard time finding anybody forecasting GDP to grow in the fourth quarter faster than it did in the third. Some of that will be the GM strike. And, and because of the GM strike, the numbers reported on industrial production, which were very negative, were properly being discounted by, by several observers. Okay, so if you if you read from uh, reading from RSM uh, Economics, uh, uh, you can look and see that trade has pulled the number down. So U.S. industrial production fell by zero point eight percent. Of course, of course, factory output was down by six tenths percent, which which was largely due to the fact that motor vehicle assemblies were down eleven percent. That's the GM strike. You would have lost that number. But year over year, industrial production's down 1.1%. Durable manufacturing off 2%. Some of that's GM. Some of that, of course, is Boeing and the 737 MAX, which we really, really haven't talked about very much. Right? We haven't talked about the fact that, that inside that, particularly inside numbers like industrial production and durable goods production, you have to include within that the... Uh, the very large uh, impact of uh, of the fact that Boeing 
is just in a world of hurt. And it and it shows it, they're big enough because airplane con- manufacturing is a is the ultimate large ticket item. When when we stop buying planes, it shows up in the data. Um, but it's it can't be just that. Okay, it can't be only only from that particular number. Um, there's even there's. Within the industrial production numbers, as pointed out by Brian Westbury, who normally takes a more optimistic view of where the economy is, he points out in his at the first Trust Economics blog that auto you know auto production down. Of course, we get that, but only six, only six of the thirteen major categories inside the manufacturing numbers actually grew during this period. High-tech equipment production was the one place where it actually rose, and it's up 5.6% on that category. Every place else, not just autos and airplanes, but, but take autos and airplanes out, you still get a two-tenths of a percent decline in October. And and taking taking out the taking out autos on a year over year basis, you still get a decline of nine tenths of a percent. So so you have to you have to say that the decline in manufacturing is fairly broad based. Right? Um, and, and so, so it does appear like, particularly on durable goods, the production numbers are going to be near a zero for the fourth quarter. And so if there's going to be a big uptick in purchases of consumer durables in, in the fourth quarter to boost the GDP numbers... It can only come from inventories of things they've already produced, and inventory investment is already recorded. It doesn't contribute to GDP, right? All right, this is one of these little lessons I I give, and my students will look at me when I do this in my principal's class, and they'll say, why are you telling me this? Because you can get fooled on things, and you can start to believe things that aren't true. If I make... A new TV. Let's suppose it gets made in the United States, and I recognize most TVs are made in the United States. I make a new TV in August of this year, and it's still in my warehouse, or it's still in the process of being shipped to, let's say, Best Buy. On September 30th, the end of the third quarter, it is recorded as produced for final use in the United States, and counted on quarter three GDP. And so in the accounting process, it's recorded as an increase in inventory investment. Then, when it hits the Best Buy in October, and in November, during a, during a holiday sale, it goes home with you. Consumption rises... But unless the unless that TV is replaced by Best Buy and the eventual manufacturer with another TV that at least is made, inventory investment falls by an identical amount, and there's no change. So those data are certainly the, those data are are not going to be changed by some increase in consumption that's going to happen because. Well, we just have to wait because Thanksgiving is so late this year and all the holiday spending is delayed and don't you worry, it's all going to happen. It'll all work out by the end of December. A lot of the production of of fourth quarter sales is baked into the cake already and was counted in the third quarter. Important point. And, and yes, I realize realize that happens every year, so it should be in the seasonal adjustments. I get that. I get that, but 
people thinking the consumer's going to pull us out of this, I kind of wondered. Let me give you let me give you a couple other other bits of data that might uh, point you in a different direction. The New York uh, the New York Empire State Manufacturing Index. Uh, it's the first one of industrial figures for November. Fell from uh, four to from a reading of four to two point nine. For the six-month outlook, it's pretty much unchanged. Luckily, the only thing that seems to be going well is capital spending plans on technology. If you are a seller of technology in a business-to-business environment, your business is probably doing pretty well. That is a bright spot in the manufacturing sector, and I see several pieces of evidence of that. But on on the negative side, the October cash freight index has been going down for 11 months. This is measuring... Uh, intermodal train and truck freight movements, and it's been down. It's been down for five straight months, and according to Cass, it's gone from warning of potential showdown to signaling an economic contraction. As uh, Peter Bookvar uh, writes uh, uh, here, three major concerns. He's quoting from the Cass report: We are concerned about the increasingly severe declines in international air freight volumes, particularly from Asia, and the ongoing swoon in railroad volumes, especially in auto and building materials. Two, we see the weakness in spot market pricing for transportation services, especially in trucking, as consistent with and a confirmation of the negative trend in the cash shipments index. Three, as volumes of chemical shipments have lost momentum, our concern of the global slowdown spreading to the United States increase. Here's the, here's the key. The trade war looks as if it has reached a point of no return from an economic perspective as the rates of decline are accelerating. Add to that reports from the Port of Los Angeles and the Port of Long Beach saying that inbound container loadings fell 14% year over year in October. 37% of U.S. container import volume go through those two ports. The manufacturing side, which we've reported to you, has been weak. That weakness was reported to have continued and appears to be perhaps accelerating. I want to talk about one thing in that last little bit about chemicals. We'll talk about those right out on the other side of these messages. This is the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Do you have brain fog and lack of energy during the day? If so, take back your vitality and clarity with all-natural Cola Gel, newly discovered jellyfish collagen peptides that aids with brain and memory support. Cola Gel is all-natural with no side effects. Edible jellyfish collagen uniquely supplies the body with multiple collagen peptides and naturally occurring minerals that fuels our cellular system with energy-rich compounds. Jellyfish collagen is a nutritive formula that promotes optimum neurological activity and improves cognitive memory. Receive your first bottle free plus shipping by visiting longevitybynature.biz and enter promo code COLAGEL. That's longevitybynature.biz and enter promo code COLAGEL. K-O-L-L-A-J-E-L-L. Get your first bottle free plus shipping by visiting longevitybynature.biz promo code COLAGEL. Eliminate brain fog and lack of energy with COLAGEL at longevitybynature.biz. That's longevitybynature.biz. I'm Staff Sergeant Mark Anthony I'm Madrid. Staff Sergeant Smith Cal. I'm Staff Sergeant I'm Alex. Staff Keaton. Sergeant William Lewis, and I am proud to defend my family and our nation. The Air Force Reserve is part of the story of this great nation. I'm grateful that I have a chance to wear the uniform of the heroes that went before me. I am proud to be part of a team that helps make a difference in the world. Every day, men and women from communities across this nation serve as reserve citizen airmen. Even as technology evolves and changes, our commitment to defend and protect this nation remains steadfast. We celebrate those who have served and those who are proudly serving. We celebrate our proud history and look towards an exciting and uniting future. Our mission is to fly, fight, and win in air, space, and cyberspace. And I am proud to be a member. And I'm proud to serve in the United States. And I am proud to protect our country. Proud to serve in the U.S. Air Force Reserve. AFreserve.com Did you know my mom's going to have a baby? 
she is? Will it be a boy? Or will it be a girl? We don't know yet, but we heard the heartbeat, and my dad said this is going to be someone very special. You mean like being a president? Or maybe a doctor? Well, probably maybe like a singer or dancer, I think. Hello, my name is Marianne Koharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. We know that every baby is a miracle and has the potential to do great things. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please call 1-800-366-7773 or visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. Welcome back, King Banyan Show. This is 1440, and yes, we're live. My thanks to Wyatt and Eric uh, for working us through a, a little snafu with uh, the interwebs there. The, the Apparently, the tube we normally shout down was blocked, and so we managed to construct an alternative passage through time and space to get me to you from up here at uh, St. Cloud State. So we are we are live on on a Saturday show. Uh here 651-289-4477. We we can You know what? If you want to test their skills and actually try to get a phone call on as well, I you you can, but I'm not promising anything at this point. We're just glad that we could be with you live here on the show. Lots of things that I plan to talk about given that we've got 30 fewer minutes to work in we'll have to go a little faster and maybe something gets kicked to the curb while i was waiting and i tweeted uh, to you at pound kbrs while we were doing that i am utterly fascinated with the spencer dinwiddie story and if you don't know who that is and you go oh it's a sports guy you don't care i i'm going to tell you why you should care even if you if you don't care about sports at all let alone the nba which i understand i I could probably count on, I might need two hands, the number of friends of mine who actually pay attention to the NBA and can tolerate my talking about it for more than five minutes. It it has become, only in the last three to four years, my favorite league, my favorite sport to watch. Um which is which is wild because it you know, baseball had been it for probably even the first oh shoot, fifty some years of my life, but um but more recently, I've just found myself fascinated by the NBA, and not just because of what happens on the on the court. But I'm fascinated by that. But this is really interesting. Let me let me explain to you. Okay, so a player receives a contract to play a sport, and as long and as long as they live within the terms of the contract, and we'll put a pin in that because it's it's an important point to make. They get paid. It doesn't matter if they have a good season or a bad season. Their their performance is, is paid, even from season to season. So if I sign you to a contract of many years, I'm obligated to pay it over many years, regardless. Now, when a student comes here to the university, many of them take out loans. The loans are basically guaranteed or or. The repayment plan is a function of how much you're going to how much you're going to earn with that degree when you graduate. And we've seen things lately where where universities are turning like mine. I'm, we're not. We don't have a plan like this at, at least at this time. I I've been thinking and and investigating and researching such things called income share agreements where a university could, in essence, um, say to a potential student, come here, study with us, get your degree, and then you're going to, you're going to pay us back based on, on the lesser of either the amount you borrowed from us plus such and such interest or this percentage of your earnings over this many years and at the end of those years, regardless of what happens Regardless of how much you earned, that's it. You're paid. You're done. So that if so that it's now in our interest to make sure that you can earn a reasonable amount of income to make sure you can get paid back. 
it puts some of the risk back onto the person onto the university to be sure that that person is received an education that allows them to earn higher earnings to pay for it and it encourages them to hold the cost down it actually changes the incentives and shifts some of the risk onto the university but not an undue risk and it, but the most important part being in my mind it, it aligns the interest of the university and the student in a way that students may find more meaningful than than our mission statements and our strategic plans. In the case of Spencer Dinwiddie, he ha- he just has started on a new three-year contract. And so what he wanted to do was to create an investment scheme by which you could buy a piece of his future stream of income guaranteed by his contract. And he was going to sell it, but he was going to sell using a... Uh, uh, some kind of uh, cyber coin, either uh, Bitcoin Hot or Ethereum, two uh, two uh, cyber cyber uh, uh, currencies. And the NBA has told them you can't do that. You can't do that. Indeed, they've said we can suspend you. We can we can render your contract null and void. If you go through with this plan, he's got a page up. I'm looking at the, um, oh, I'm, it's, it's, a, it's on a tab here. Uh, so it says you can invest, but you have to invest 150, you have to invest $150,000 minimum. The maximum amount you can buy is, it, it, the maximum amount that's going to be available is is $13.5 million. The contract, I believe, was for about fifty. $50 million. I've got to go back and remember. I'll go back and scroll up to find uh, how much how much his contract is for. Uh, $34 million. So you could buy about a third of his contract. Um, and you can invest in it. You say, well, why would I do that? What, w- what would be the return I get? Well, the $34 million contract includes some bonuses. So if he gets a bonus... You get a share of that, so you could make some money there. And in a world where the bank's going to pay you one percent or two percent, you might decide this is a pretty a pretty good deal. You can be a you can be bullish on this. Now, to buy one of these coins will cost you one hundred fifty thousand dollars. So you have to be what uh, the SEC calls an accredited investor, which I'm not, and chances are most of you are not. So we're not going to be the people that do this. But what it does is it allows Dinwiddie to pull up some of his future income up front, just like a student with an income share agreement says, I'm going to promise some of my future income in return for a pot of cash now that I can invest in increasing my human capital at this university. And and there are differences and so forth. But my, I, I'm trying to figure out what are the reasons the NBA says no. Okay, and why are they fighting it? And so the article I tweeted it to you at Pound KBRS, and it ta- and it's written by a lawyer who specializes in sports law. And and I'm trying to figure out the risk and and what the lawyer identifies is there's low risk but not no risks. So first of all, suppose the NBA goes on strike and they suspend all the player contracts in the strike. That's happened. Lockouts have happened three times. Happened three times during the 1990s. He didn't get paid. Players didn't get paid for that period. What happens if you buy into that? I thought that was interesting. Um, what happens if uh, Mr. Dinwiddie ends up doing something that allows the team to void a contract? Now that can happen. And the example cited here is because I'm a Celtics fan, because I'm from New England. Um, there was a player for the Celtics who, re- who signed a multi-year contract, and after signing it, um, uh, developed uh, developed alcoholism and was unable to play anymore. Be- okay, alcohol abuse is terms under the contract to void payment, and so they are. They've said uh, so. They went to court and settled, and so this player, Vin Baker who I believe is now sober and, and living a good life. Um, but at the time, they sued, and they came up with a... They, they, Baker's agent sued, and they ended up coming up with a settlement. If you had bought 
the settlement was for a lot less than the value of the contract. If you had bought that investment, you might not have had that. But it seems to me most of this really is so that's possible. But those are all risks that when you invest in in a in a Bitcoin securitized by uh, Spencer Dinwiddie's contract, it would seem to me you probably know that. So the question is, why does the NBA do that? I think I think largely it's because they're being they're being preca- they're being cautious. <clears throat> they're being cautious about about potential liability. Okay, suppose Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't pay these people. Suppose something happens. Now, presumably, the contracts between you and 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 the player, if you're the investor, and the team and the league have nothing to do with it. But it's possible that an investor who got gets burned because Dinwiddie doesn't pay off on the contract looks around for deep pockets, sees sees Joe Sy, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, who Dinwiddie pays for it, plays for, and says, you know what? Heck, I'll sue him. Off they go to court. And now all of a sudden, uh, Mr. Sy has to uh, spend a bunch of money on lawyers to defend this. Well, he doesn't want the headache, so he says, you know what? You just can't do that. It's not clear what the contract says. I suspect I suspect this thing's going to go to court, and I think it's really interesting for this reason. For this reason, and this reason mainly, because to go back to where I started this conversation, people frequently want ways to use their future labor income, to basically use their human capital as collateral for money which they want now to maybe invest in more human capital or even to buy a house or, or something like that. What would prevent them from doing doing such a thing? Okay. I think this has implications far wider than the NBA or even sports. I think it has implications of it has implications for lots of different types of financial transactions. And yes, there are people who are going to be like like I'm worried, I'm scared about what might happen happen to these players or what happens to these students who sign these income share agreements. Um, I I tend to think that. Um, we worry a little too much, and we and, and courts are court. If we have to go to court, courts are pretty good about settling such things. These are pretty clear terms. I'm not as bothered by this than, than others. What do you think? Six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. Should you be able to securitize your future income by issuing issuing uh, securities uh, in the form of of uh, cyber security cyber currencies? We can talk more about that right after this. You listen to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Business 1440 is KYCR Golden Valley. Digital marketing is a big part of just about every business. It's everywhere. Is your business using it to your advantage? Are you receiving your share of the leads? If you're not effectively using digital media, you could be losing sales by the second. Even worse, your customers can be grabbed up one by one, never to return. Not sure if you're losing out to the competition? Salem Surround can help you. We give you all the right tools to surround your target audience and turn website visitors into leads. Salem Surround is a full-service digital agency providing you with all your marketing under one roof. Total market penetration for increased return on investment. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital presence and to learn more how we can help you place your advertising message in front of today's digital consumers. Salem Surround helps deliver customers by putting your business message in front of the right person at the right time. Learn more at surroundmsp.com. Connecting you with new customers. Mitch Berg from the Northern Alliance here for Kingdom Builders. You've heard them on this station. They say they're not great salesmen, just great roofers. But if you're a homeowner, you've heard the horror stories from your neighbors about roofers who were great salesmen, but terrible roofers, about contractors with no integrity. So my first call was to the roofers who make their integrity the center, not just of their business, but of their lives. That's the Kingdom Builders. And yeah, they are great roofers. I have a challenging roof. Third floor, lots of details, and it was last re-roofed when I was just out of high school. And yet... From the moment they showed up, I had the confidence. I wasn't just going to get a great roof. 
I wasn't going to get that heartburn you get when trying out a new contractor. So, yeah, they are great roofers and genuinely great people to work with. And I have the nicest-looking roof on my block. So call 612-900-9166. That's 612-900-9166. Or find them online at thekingdombuilders.net. Tell them Mitch Berg sent you, and he loves his new roof. I'm a trained lawyer. I went to law school. My name is Alan. I am a current student at the OTA office in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, I'm a retired district court judge, and when I decided to retire, I'd always had an interest in financial markets. I had done quite a bit of research, read up on OTA a lot. I think I had a pretty good idea of what to expect. The actual class itself was more impressive than I even anticipated. I mean, after I attended that half-day class and um, fell in love with it after that, I was absolutely 100% sold. It's almost like a light bulb goes off, you start following your rules, you recognize the mistakes you shouldn't uh, make and you stop making them. I feel like I've actually turned a corner. I'm actually on a great path. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to do this. And I think a lot of people get scared away from the financial markets because they don't think they're smart enough and nothing could be further from the truth. Call today for a free investing class at 952-814-4410 or go to learnwithota.com. Welcome back, King Daniel Show, Business 1440, back in action after a brief hiatus of about 30 minutes. Sometimes sometimes the gremlins get in there. 651-289-4477, the number to call questions and comments. Um, should should ha- be a good weekend. Uh, Northern Alliance uh, here all weekend long. Uh, of course, Mitch Berg at 1 to 3 this afternoon over on our sister station, AM 1280, The Patriot, where you'll also find Brad Carlson at 1 to 3 tomorrow afternoon. We spread over two days and two stations because nothing can contain us. Look, let's uh, let's get to some of the... Um, some of the conversations about uh, where where our current economy is. I know we were playing uh, the replay at the first half of this hour uh, from last week, but I wanted to uh, get you a little bit of an update. And this is something that I've, that I've noticed and trying to figure out what's what's this split about. The investment houses are currently forecasting fourth quarter GDP somewhere in the one and a half to two percent range. One point five for Merrill Lynch, one point nine for Goldman Sachs. If you look at the two now cast projects put on by the New York and Atlanta Fed, New York is at 0.7, Atlanta at 0.4. Now, we're midway through the fourth quarter, so we already have most of the October data in place. Here, you know, we're more than halfway through the month of November, so we have most of the October data in hand right now. Now, some of that October data gets goofed around because of because of GM and I I'm a little concerned that the the nowcast do not make those adjustments and I think Merrill and Goldman do and there's there's a fair amount of conversation about that this was yesterday I think this one's on CNBC Michael Gapin uh talking about uh talking about uh, about the economy let's go ahead and listen to him for a few seconds here and I think we, we're looking around the world and we're trying to ascertain, are we getting that evidence that global manufacturing is, is bottoming? I, I think it's a little more concrete in the U.S., at least in terms of manufacturing may still be a little soft. We've got the GM automotive strike to, to work through, but that seems like it's, it's over and we're going to get some rebound there. It's a little less clear globally. If anything, the European PMI data that came out this morning is a little more worrisome. Uh, the deceleration in manufacturing seems to be abating. That's the good news. The, the bad news in that report is the services side of the economy seems a little weaker than expected. And then the data out of the U.K. is, is in line with more deceleration and perhaps even a contraction. So I think a little more evidence of that in, in the U.S., although we've got some more work to do. Uh, and I'd say mixed when, when we look at Europe. So... Uh, Almost uh, at the same time, this would this would have been uh, this would have been uh, uh, David Rosenberg uh, from uh, uh, Gluskin and Chef. Uh, he's been a little more negative throughout 2019, and I want to I want to go ahead and get the other side of this. Let's play the Rosenberg clip. The reality is that the yield curve stopped inverting 
in 2007, it inverted in 06. Uh, and there's lags. Like the, the yield curve is not a coincident indicator, it's a leading indicator. And so people tend to forget their history uh, that the yield curve at the point of when the recession starts is actually positively sloped. Now, here's what I'll say Has the recession started officially? No, it hasn't. But the recessionary pressures are building. And no, what I love about you when I'm watching you in the afternoon after the market closes, you always talk about the breadth of the market. Yeah. And that's, it's not just about price, it's about volume, it's about, and it's about the, the relative breadth of the marketplace. Well, you can apply the same thing to GDP. What if I were to tell you that, because of course, 70% of GDP is consumer spending, but let's just say that we looked at the median sector of GDP. It stopped growing two quarters ago. If you're taking a look right now, 30% of what makes up the economy is actually in a recession. Commercial construction, housing has been negative six of the past seven quarters, exports, capital spending we know for a fact is in a downturn right now. And the question, and as you said earlier, question is when does this morph into deteriorating employment conditions because that's when it hits the consumer. Yeah. Well, we've been saying that for a while. And, and by the way, the median sector... He just said 70% is consumption and consumption's going up. So he's talking about thir- the other 30%. So that median sector still represents only about 20% at most of, of the GDP figure. I don't know. That's that, I, I, th- I still believe the, this, the side uh, that uh, Gapin says from Barclay, Barclays is, is probably more on point. There's no recession yet. Rosenberg admits to that as well. Um, are there pressures building? Yes. And I will say the one point about Rosenberg that is certainly true. You had an unmistakable inversion of the yield curve in August. That will always go back positive before recession starts. Now, that doesn't, it also will go back positive if a recession doesn't start, which has happened twice in the last 60 years. It's not a perfect indicator, but it's sufficiently good an indicator that I still think someone who's not not thinking a recession could happen in the second half of 2020 um, needs to get their eyes open. But but I wouldn't I wouldn't be running to the exits just yet. There's this this expansion, even if recession's coming, the expansion still has another seven eight months to run before we get to the end of that. We'll be right back after this. You are listening to the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Sebastian Gorka here for Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that was formulated by doctors to help your body deal with inflammation and pain. The reason I've told so many of my friends about the three-week quick start is because as we get older, occasional aches and pains can be a real problem, keeping you from sleeping through the night or doing the things you love and need to do, like taking walks or playing golf, going up or downstairs, or simply playing with your kids or grandkids. Tens of thousands are now like me, glad they ordered the three-week quick start for just nineteen ninety-five. After years of back pain, I found relief, and I believe you could too. Folks, this is why the father and son owners of Relief Factor, Pete and Seth Talbot, created the three-week quick start, and they discounted it to only nineteen ninety-five. Approximately 70% of those who order it go on to order more. Let's see if we can get you out of pain too. Go to relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com, or call 800-500-8384. So you've been exploring solutions for your hair loss. You've seen ads from the national chains. You've researched the alternative products that cost a fortune, but there seem to be no guarantees. So here's good news for you. This is Dennis Prager. Go to INeedMoreHair.com and see what their hair transplant specialists are doing for men and women like you. The consultations are free. Their doctors have given patients in Hollywood and worldwide a full head of hair. They can do the same for you. You'll see a more confident reflection of yourself. In fact, they guarantee your results in writing, and their prices are some of the best in the business, as low as $3 per graft. So stop searching and go to INeedMoreHair.com. You have nothing to lose. Call their office in Egan for your free consultation. I need morehair.com. Experience you can trust, prices you can afford. Get the permanent solution to your hair loss at I need morehair.com. 
This is Michael Medved for Town Hall. On one point regarding our country's current condition, Republicans and Democrats seem to agree. Three quarters in both parties say religion is losing influence in American life. According to a new study for Pew Research Center, half of Democrats say they're okay with the trend. 22% say religion's decline makes no difference, while 25% insist that it's a positive development. But if organized faith continues to lose influence, what force should take its place? Climatism, a new faith, derided by Yosef Yoff, and Commentary Magazine promises earthly annihilation instead of heavenly salvation. For a hundred years, Marxist true believers created heavens on earth that became living hells for hundreds of millions, and unbridled secular materialism has recently spurred surging rates of deaths of despair. The spectacular failure of potential substitutes for organized faith have only served to emphasize its irreplaceability. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu